just even coming up with the, the stories, like there's some people that happen to be disabled in some of the stories. There's there's like all kinds of diversity in the stories. I try to represent all the different classes in the stories. So um, it's not just a potion maker does this, a potion maker does that. I've got all these different um, right. occupations that you maybe don't even think about. Um, so it was, it was just a joy to work on. Welcome to Dungeons and Dinners, where the love of fantasy is food for thought. I'm your host, Brett Lindley, and that was a sample from my recent conversation with Jimmy Flowers from Splinterverse Media. Jimmy has published multiple supplements for DMs and players alike, and we discussed how he transitioned from a traditional publishing job to being a self-published author of several titles, his work on his upcoming release of content for the Feywild, potions, lineages, tofu, YouTube reviews, and so much more. If you've been on the fence before, I've added a ton of new content over to my Patreon reward tiers. Discord integration is now live for all tiers, and at the $5 level and above, you'll get access to exclusive bonus mini-episodes every week of additional conversations with guests like Jimmy. That's four additional episodes a month for $5. So if you enjoy our conversation today and want more, head on over to patreon.com slash dungeonsanddinners and help keep this podcast ad-free. Let's get on to the conversation. Welcome. Take a seat anywhere. We'll be right with you. And as I said in the intro, we have got Jimmy from Splinterverse Media joining us at the Dungeons and Dinners table. Jimmy, how are you doing today? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. Really excited to have you on. So thank you for joining us. You're welcome. I'm excited too. Awesome. So I would like to know, uh, I've seen you did send over uh, one of your, at least one of your publications. I haven't looked if if you did send, I think you might have sent two. I think I only had time to look at one. Uh, I did check out Van Richten's Librum of Lineages. Yes. And uh, I have to say that's a, that's kind of fun. It, it's kind of a little bit of a a spin on kind of like a racial archetype almost. Is that correct? Yeah, I was, you know, prior to Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft coming out from Wizards, I had seen one of the videos and they were talking about lineages and it just really inspired me because I thought this is kind of the future of D&D, this flexibility. And lineages have sort of this baked in conflict. I mean, races do too in terms of centuries old conflicts between races and things like that. But lineages, I felt like were more of a personal conflict which lends to the role play. And so it just really got me excited. And before I knew it, I had four lineages already written out. And then the goal became, can I get this out either on the same day as Van Richten's or the day before? So that when you when you get that book and you have the three lineages in there, you would have four more. And and I was able to do that. I got it out the day before and it was it was a fun challenge for myself. No, that's, that's really awesome. And I think that it really is, especially with... There's been, you know, I, I don't know, it hesitate to call it drama, but some contention and not unnecessarily so on races in D&D. Yes. But I think that there are a lot of things that are done in D&D specifically because of the history of D&D yep. that people have been really hesitant to change because that's kind of all the way it's always been done. It's part of the identity. Yeah, right. And so like races is a a big part of that. And I know like three, five had a lot of racial templates, which I think was an attempt to narrow down the number of primary races, but then give you level adjusted options that you could tack on top of them. And I think that something like lineages is a much better way of saying like, 
your race may give you nothing like no stats yeah. no it's just for role play and background history purposes only and everything about your character is generated in some manner of templating that you put on top of that exactly it's like it gives you more agency because the race i mean you can have the appearance of an elf but layer on top of it like a key keeper which is one of my lineages and so you can still have that physicality if there's a certain race that has a look you like or, or whatever and then on top of it you've got this new conflict and new uh thing to deal with because the key keeper they get this magical key that they're now their soul is bonded to and if they lose it they die um, they have 24 hours to get it back and then it has certain powers and it's it's just i don't know it's my favorite one out of the four but no i actually was going to bring that up because i really like the i like that it can give some pre-generated lore to your character right so like yeah whenever the key keeper dies or you know the key is kind of the immortal piece and yes. the next person being with a soul that touches it instantly becomes a key keeper. Right. And so they like, you can, you don't have to use that as your backstory. You know, you could have it like passed down through family or kind of change it or homebrew it yeah. how you like, but if you, if you want to use it, that's a, gives you a boost to, cause it can be hard to write a backstory. Like sure. starting, starting is the hardest part, yes. right? So that you get the start that at least you have to ask the question, how did you get the key? Exactly. And it's like you can play it a number of different ways. You can be very bold. You know, maybe you, you flash the key around because it has power and you don't mind people seeing it. Or you can keep it a secret because you're scared of losing it. Somebody's going to take it from you. And there's these tattoos that you get once you touch the uh, once you touch the key that kind of would let other people know if they're familiar with, it, with what a key keeper is, that you are one. So you can choose to hide those or show those. And so it's just inherently you've got this conflict, you've got this mystery um, and this emotion tied into everything. Because, I mean, dying is no small thing, right? right. So, uh, you know, just having this external part of you that now is vulnerable, I, I just thought it was exciting. And and if you look at the lineages that the Wizards published, I mean, they're very, they're either physical or magical. And I thought, what other kind of lineage can we do? So I thought, let's, let's go magic, but let's make it based on an object. So there's two lineages in the book that tie into objects. And it was fun. I wasn't sure when I first started it would work out, but it was exciting to see the out outcome of that. I think also, and you know, you can probably speak to this a little bit more because I haven't really done it yet, but it, it would seem to me that writing a lineage would be a little bit easier and a little more flexible. There's a little bit more room to grow and play in there than doing something like taking on writing a subclass. Oh, for sure. I mean, to me, the best place to write from is an emotional place. I like to say, you know, I'm writing from my heart and then later I go back in into the headspace and look at it from more of an analytical point of view, because you really want that resonance in there for people to connect. They're going to connect on the emotional front, and then you can layer in the mechanics and the more, um, you know, mundane pieces. But yeah, lineages because they have that inherent conflict, they have the mystery, they have this lore. Um, it's it's exciting. I mean, for for the book bearer, the the lineage involves you have to carry this book and you have to capture details for Mephistopheles. And so just like that emotion of like, now I'm tied to this book and I've got to do various things. But then if you tear pages out of the book, you can do certain things like make people believe what they're reading on the page and uh, all, all sorts of fun stuff. You can show them horrific images of things in the book, uh, which you know can frighten them. And it's it, it was just fun. I, I was feeling like 
you know, I can't believe I'm, this is, this is work. Cause it doesn't feel like work. <laughs> right. You know, I totally understand that. Like getting, getting to pour your energy into something and not feel exhausted afterwards. Yes. Like there's a huge difference between, uh, I I've kind of mentioned offline to some people that there's such a difference between rec- like being in an hour long meeting for my day job yes. versus recording an hour long session with a guest. They're just, I come out of an hour long session with a guest excited and energized and, you know, happy and, and having fun. I come out of an hour long interview or, you know, meeting at work just feeling drained and dreadful and <laughs> no totally it's it's you know they say do what you love and what you're passionate about and and this really there's no part of it that i don't like i mean it's 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 every bit of it is fun to me it doesn't feel like work and so i feel like i've found the right place to be for me yeah and you've also got a really good balance of artwork and style i think that you know your formatting is really you're really good i think that there are tons of tools i've i've gotten to play with a few of them but that doesn't mean that the, the tool doesn't make the work right like the tool no, totally. the artist and they're not necessarily like it's easy to kind of get in and play around but they could be really difficult to master things like formatting and flow and you know using up white space or having white space yes. where you want it and it's so it's, I, I no go ahead it's really important to me. I mean, I want my brand to be known for quality, for inclusivity, for creativity, and for balance. And so I put a lot of energy into all those things. And I'm really blessed because, you know, I went to school for English, got a degree in that, and then I worked 10 years in traditional publishing. And so then when the pandemic came around and I started saying, what can I, what can I do with my time stuck at home what interests do i have that i've maybe not looked at in a while and dungeons and dragons was one that i'd been wanting to get back into and when i started looking at it i just was inspired by how much people are creating now compared to when i used to play and i thought you know i could do this if i just stopped binging you know a couple shows for a few weeks or if i you know stopped playing video games for for a month or two in my free time and just dedicated myself to doing this i could produce a book and so that's what I did. I said, I'm going to, I'm going to take control, use that free time for something different and see how it feels. And it felt so amazing. I felt like I was engaged on all cylinders and I've done three books since then. I'm working on the fourth one right now. <laughs> and it's like, it just hasn't stopped because I just enjoy it so much. And, and because of that past experience, I did, you know, I understood layout. I understood editing and knew some kind of secret techniques to edit my own stuff. And so that, um, it felt like somebody else was editing it and all that. Stuff. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was going to, I was going to ask, but no, that, that makes a lot of sense. And it's, it's so great when you do have, it doesn't even have to, you seem to have very direct experience, but even kind of tangential experience in a field can really help boost and bring a creative kind of spin to something where you can leverage things in a slightly different manner enough to make what you're doing unique or to kind of leverage that quality. And so I think it's really awesome that you have that background that you can then bring into your products. Totally. I mean, I feel very fortunate that my journey has led me to this moment and, and it, it gave me a freedom because I, I knew that I could do layout. I knew that I could do, you know, contracts with artists. I knew I could do all of those things. So when I was in the writing stage with the blank piece of paper, it wasn't so scary that that writing was going to go nowhere. Of course I could, uh, you know, ejected and gotten out of the situation if, if, if I didn't like the writing, but I wasn't worried that if, if the writing, uh, you know, came out well, that I, that it, 
you know, wouldn't find a home or wouldn't get published because I knew I could handle all the work on the back end. And so that helped me. And I know not everybody has that. And I would say to you, if you're listening, don't be afraid, just try it. I, you know, I love looking at other creator stuff. I don't care if it's, you know, five star, you know, art everywhere or just plain text. I want to see it. Um, so, so just, you know, do your own thing and, and get it out there. Cause it's, it's very rewarding. I mean, to me, it's a legacy, right? You know, someday I won't be here. <laughs> and so having these books that people could continue to enjoy, um, is, is exciting to me. Yeah. And I would also state to, to people that are wanting to, uh, you know, kind of break in and maybe do their first adventure guides. I was really astounded when I, I did, uh, my first adventure as kind of a, a collaboration, uh, with maps and quests that there's a lot of, like, I was worried about art because I, yeah. I, I can sketch, but I'm not a great digital artist. And I also didn't have the money. I knew I wanted this to be a free resource for people. And so I didn't want to dump too much into it. And I was really surprised to find a lot of essentially almost like high quality digital clip art that you can get pretty cheaply and it's yep. yeah it's not going to be i i would much prefer to commission you know astounding five-star pieces of art but just starting out i couldn't really do that yeah. but to be able to pick up a few things that were pretty close and maybe tweak some of my designs to match the art that was available um it really did make a difference and made me feel a lot more confident about distributing it because i did have you know some of that white space taken up i did have some cool images that could help theme the adventure and things like that it's, it's a creative challenge to just think about what kind of art would go well with my writing. You might be focused mainly on writing, but if you have never tried looking for art, look at it as an adventure. You know, maybe you won't find anything, maybe you will, but it may take days. You know, maybe today you don't find anything, maybe tomorrow you do. But as you said, there's, there's high quality stock art, there's art on the DMs Guild that they let you use for free. There's um, stock art you can purchase pretty cheaply on DriveThru or DMs Guild. And then there's a lot of other resources. As you said, people get passionate. They want to work on what you're doing. Maybe they'll um, work out a, a royalty payment as opposed to, you know, uh, straight up cash, you know, there's so many options. Don't, don't let art be a barrier because you honestly don't need a ton of art either, because it's not like the DM's going to sit there and constantly be, you know, holding up the book and showing the picture. There are some things that benefit from that, but not everything needs to be, you know, have art next to it. And you can always go back and edit these things, right? If they're digital, you can go back in and add more art later, you know, just, just put words on the page, give it a try. Yeah, definitely. And it, I think that's a great point you bring up. It's it's not a graphic novel. So, you know, just one or two pieces, uh, you know, can can make a huge difference. And yeah, you can always change and reposition things later or pull things out or put new things back in. So I think that, that that's all really, it's really important to not allow yourself to feel stifled. Because I, I think I did for a long time. There were a lot of things that I, I'd wanted to break in and do adventure guides a number of times over the years and always was like, no, I can't because I can't get art. And just knowing that that was a thing that I could get uh, really changed my attitude on doing these types of things and realizing that I can do this and that 
a, you know, there are resources and there's people out there that can, can help me or help provide content for it that can make it a little bit easier, even if they're not directly involved and in giving me feedback every day, there's ways to leverage the, the work and the help that other people have put out there as resources to help me make my dreams a reality as well. Exactly. And, you know, most of us have social media, you can leverage that to reach out and say, Hey, does anybody know an artist, you know, just like you might be a writer sitting there waiting for an opportunity. There's probably an artist out there waiting for an opportunity. I've been so happy to work with one of the artists for, for, for lineages and also for my potions unlock book was a student in Italy. And she was really excited about the opportunity. And we talked about like how she could put this on her, her resume. And, you know, it's, you never know who you're going to help, even if you can afford just one piece of art. You know, you may have helped an artist that needs some experience as well. So that's what I love. I love I love that there's all these creators out there and we're getting to help each other and work together and stuff. I think it's also a really, you know, kind of key thing to tell people, like, don't be afraid to ask. I yeah. think that. Uh, you know, there's a lot of little collaborations. There's a lot of little things that I've gotten to do where I've just found maybe an artist on like even a deviant art or a social media or something mm -hmm. and just say, Hey, can I turn your, like I have a, your, your art is really cool. Did you know that this would make a great D and D monster? Like yeah. maybe it's a concept art for a yeah. film or something that didn't go like, can I make a monster out of this? And can I share it on other social medias if I credit you? And sometimes they're like, no, I prefer commissioned work if you want to do that. But a lot of times they'll be like, yeah, go for it. If you want to make a sculpture of somebody's two dimensional artwork, just just ask and see if you want to write a background or a story and use it as kind of a cover art piece or something. There's no harm in asking and you'll be really surprised the because it may turn into like, yes, but I get to approve it. And sure. so now you're in a collaboration and you're working back and forth and getting to understand what the artist's idea for the monster or the background was. And they get to see what your inspiration is that they may go, oh, I never thought of that. That's really cool. Let's change it and make it into something new. I can't tell you the number of times in my life good things happen because I was bold enough to ask a question. You know, yep. you just never know if you don't ask. And the worst somebody can say is no. And in terms of artists, there's a lot of artists in the world. So if one artist says no, there's others out there. Don't let that stop you. Don't let it get in your way. So I do, you mentioned a couple things there that I kind of want to yeah. dig into. So you brought up some of your history of D&D &D and how you had played before and then sounds like you may have taken a break and then kind of jumped back in to see what you could do uh, during kind of the pandemic time. So if you don't mind, maybe giving us a little bit of history of you and tabletop RPG games. Totally. So uh, the earliest history was I really didn't have a lot of friends growing up. I had two and so I spent a lot of time on my own reading comic books and books. And so I was, I gravitated towards some of the basic box sets and I grabbed one of those and would look through it, never got to play it, but I would look through it and imagine things. And, you know, I'd create little maps and stuff just for fun to entertain myself. Um, and then as I got older, I, I did in the nineties, get a chance to start playing second edition with, with a group. And that was a lot of fun. I was, I was kind of silly cause I, I was also into acting. So I would, when I play spellcasters and whenever they had to do like a spell, I would invent an incantation that I would say, and it was just fun. You know, people would enjoy that. They would want me to cast spells just to see what kind of incantation I would use. Cause I always made sure to have an incantation for all the ones that had a verbal 
uh, component. And uh, it was just it was just a lot of fun. And I, I actually carried that through into Potions Unlocked because all the spells I created for that I wrote incantations. So if they had a verbal component. But um, so, yeah, I played second edition, first edition, uh, basic. And then um, I took a big break and didn't come back until fifth. And um, yeah, I've just done a little bit with that. And and it's it's a different world. I find it more uh, streamlined. I, I you know I still love second edition, but but I really enjoy fifth edition. I think they they've done a good job making it accessible. And um, I, I obviously love the fact that they're they're involving other people beyond just the corporate you know wizard side of things. Yeah, Thatco really is for the birds. That was <laughs> yes. not something that. <laughs> no. We don't need that anymore. <laughs> no, no, don't want an algebra calculator to have yeah, no. to do stuff. Uh, even with the rise of, you know, online spreadsheets and things, that still doesn't need yeah. to be required. <laughs> no, no, no thanks. So it, it sounds kind of like you uh, and I kind of share a little bit of DNA in that. I don't get to play as much anymore, but I still yeah. really enjoy being i think that it's such a great thing i talk with a lot of people about how wide and vast the level of engagement and community is in the ttrpg space because you don't have to play to be involved totally um so i feel like the the ways that i and and it's 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 just kind of for me it's giving back like i have the number of one shots of people that I found on, you know, imager or Reddit or whatever that I've run in the past or people's art that I used to like, just be like the character kind of looks like this, but you know, yeah. blue hair or whatever. And, yeah. and now being able to kind of give back in that space, even though I'm not playing, I think for me is what kind of really drives a lot of my, my passion. Totally. And, and it brings a uniqueness to it because there's been things that I, as I've been working on this book, especially now with the Feywild book that I'm working on right now, I don't have all this attachment to what the Feywild is or isn't. And so I'm working with people that do, and it's interesting, my perspective and how we, we meld together and how maybe I come up with something unique and different that they hadn't thought of because they're kind of attached and they're thinking of the the normal way of doing things. And then they they inspire me with their knowledge of the Feywild, right? So that combination can be extraordinarily productive and all encompassing because you're really taking in all those points of view because you know hopefully there'll be people that maybe are first exposed to the Feywild through my book and then other people that have loved it for a long time that are that are checking it out so we can maybe speak to all those those different audiences and you know I, yes I don't get to play as much but I do have an awesome editor named Matt that has DM'd for 20 years and he's 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 done 5e for five years and I I tell him one of the things I want you to do, Matt, when you're looking through this is if anything is a pain in the neck for the DM to run, I want to know because we're either cutting it or we're going to change it because I'm not about people cursing my name when they're reading my book. <laughs> you know, I want I want this to be balanced. I want it to be fun. I want it to feel like Wizards actually put it out as close as I can get. Mm hmm. And that's a that's really considerate of you to to make sure that you're running it through an experienced editor. And I think that's the that is something that, you know, I, I kind of wish I would have spent more time getting uh, people that were willing or either willing or paid to yeah. uh, edit my my first adventure. It was free, so I was a little yeah. bit less worried sure. about it, you know, being perfect. But I think that is a really big deal because, yeah, sometimes you get that feedback that's like, 
well, we had to change this or that, you know, and I try to write really flexibly. I try not to give, I think the days of large paragraphs of text describing us every single room is kind of out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but offering the options in certain places sure. for that is, is really cool. And then offering a more flexible, like I didn't name any of the NPCs in my adventure. And in fact, I gave this setup, I gave like four or six different setups for how the adventure could start depending on where it could start in a town. If it's in a town, it may be this or this. If it's in the woods, it could be this or this. That way, because I know from my experience, when I go grab a one shot, I almost never run it exactly as it's stated. I change the characters to match the narrative that I have, or maybe some established NPCs that are already in the game. I change where the start location is. I change some of the maps and stuff. And so I wanted to give my players that opportunity to to do things in the way that I would and have that flexibility and those ideas to say that this can be run anywhere. Totally. I mean, one of the best things about this game and this, this industry is the collaboration and the ability to experiment. And I love seeing people experiment and try different things, you know, like you not naming the NPCs, that's an experiment. And it's awesome because, you know, as you know, you can change it. You can add those names if you want it to, you know, want it to be there near the DM. And and that's why I see everything that I put out is really a collaboration with the reader. You know, just like you would see a painting and maybe interpret it however you want to in your head, the artist isn't standing there going to tell you, oh, this is exactly what the painting is. And most of them won't, even if they are standing there, because they want you to have that engagement at your own, uh, you know, level and and own experience and and put your own uh, thoughts into it and so I, you know i just love that and and at the same time i think we have the opportunity to challenge these perceived notions of things in the game and so when i created um, potions unlocked i kind of saw it as a series of unlocked things and the whole notion behind potions unlocked is that potions have become this sort of run-of-the-mill part of the game you know you drink a potion you get your hit points back and you it's gone for good. And so I thought, how can I take this sort of mundane part of the game and explode it to its fullest potential? And so I looked at every single angle of potions. And so in, in Potions Unlocked, there's an optional rule which adds servings to the potions. So they're still consumables, but they have multiple uses um, so that you can maybe try something different. Maybe it gives you more reason to try to use your potion because you have three uses. So you can try it once and see what happens. And, and it also aligns more with the real world, right? You don't, most medications or most foods are not single serving. You know, there's multiple servings to it. And so there's that rule. There's a bunch of other options optional rules that kind of expand it. But more than that, um, you know, I go into the taste, I go into how to create each potion. And then my favorite part is that each potion has a short story detailing how it came into existence. And you can totally ignore it, like you said, where you didn't create the, the NPC names, you can ignore the story, or you can use it as maybe, you know, maybe the per person is buying this potion in, at, a, at a shop. Um, the, the vendor could say, oh, do you know, sir, that this potion, how it came to be, let me tell you. And then you can have this sort of story time where you you tell this 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 story. And the stories are just so varied. Some of them have a happy ending. Some of them are very tragic. Um, and it was just a lot of fun writing those and kind of giving you this history that you could ignore if you want or if you need it. It's there. And... Um, you know, it just, there's, there's a lot, there's, there's uh, 
full NPCs in the book. There's there's fully stocked shops. There's there's plants, new plants I created that you can use in, as, as ingredients. Like I said, I really wanted to just maximize everything potion related so that you could pick from it what you like, incorporate it in, and maybe be inspired. Because I, in the beginning of the book, I say, hey, if you want to create a potion and publish it and have servings or have, um, you know, some of the kind of things that I did, you can just, you know, maybe cite the book in, in your in, in your book so that people know where to go read about the optional rules or whatever, but um, just really looking for ways to take things that have gotten stale in the game and amp them up. So if you or anybody out there is thinking of another topic that you feel like could benefit from an unlocked book, let me know because I'm very interested. I mean, there's so much to go on here. So I think <laughs> one thing that I really want to jump in on and say that I love that you incorporated uh, serving sizes and flavor and smell. I think that like flavor and smell are oftentimes overlooked as sensory descriptions yeah. um, in D&D a lot. And they're really powerful. A lot of things like I, I know myself personally, I have a ton of sense that when I smell them, I'm, I get like full blown memories of, you know, the summer at the pool or, you know, cooking at grandma's yeah. house or something like there's, or just kind of the weather, like cars that I owned or certain, just any number of things is, is all tied to kind of that smell of, of things. So I think that's so great that you include that in something like potions that players aren't going out of their way to smell a whole lot. Right. Right. But I think also one of the things that I do really like is that I love leveraging short stories into hooks yeah. So me personally, I would take all of those short stories, maybe not all of them, but I would find one that that really resonated with me. And instead of the characters acquiring that potion, being told the story, that potion, I would write the adventure based on that backstory. Right. So like there's an alchemist that wants to make this potion. And here I have basically a full adventure hook in what is how it comes to be that I could use to try to get the players to play through. Can they play through the experience of getting this potion to come into existence? You are reading my mind. I literally say that in the book that you can take these short stories, turn them into hooks, turn them into full adventures. You can make your character, the protagonist instead of the characters that I have in there, or you can use the characters. You can have them be, you know, some sort of uh, cross paths in the middle of the story. And, you know, then there's also a bunch of potion related hooks. I even have a table called random places to find potions and you know That's it's things awesome. like it's floating down a river you know or it's yeah it's, it's in a it's in a windowsill and in, in a flower box how did it get there and then i have questions that you might ask that spur other things and it's just just even coming up with the the stories like there's some people that happen to be disabled in some of the stories there's there's like all kinds of diversity in the stories i try to represent all the different classes in the stories so um, it's not just a potion maker does this a potion maker does that i've got all these different right. um, occupations that you maybe don't even think about um so it was is just a joy to work on i also love because like while i don't necessarily like the uh, five page blog history before a recipe on, on a lot of recipes, you'll see like my entire history of this food yeah. starts with, but <laughs> what I do really like on the flip side is the actual history of how it came to be like I'll, so many foods were accidents. Oh yeah. And like chocolate chip cookies was a failed attempt at making chocolate cookies because they didn't have like an access to it or there was a time constraint. I don't remember the exact story, but they essentially chopped up a bunch of chocolate into bits instead of melting it 
thinking that it would melt into the batter kind of in the oven and that the chocolate would infuse the cookie. And instead, it came out as a cookie with chunks of chocolate in it and that everybody loved it and was like, oh, this is amazing. So we want to keep doing this. And You're so many foods are that way that that why wouldn't and a lot of medicines are that way, too, like penicillin and stuff. So why wouldn't potions kind of follow that same route? Once again, you're reading my mind because some of them are <laughs> accidents or because they were trying to do something else and ended up doing a totally different thing. And what's fun about it, too, is that each potion, it starts with the effect. So you find out immediately what the potion does. And then when you go to read the story, which is later in sort of the profile of the potion, you can kind of play a game with yourself. Like, what do I think? How how do I think this is going to come into play and why they would need this? And there's, there's sort of twists. And then also, I didn't mention, but the stories they have connections to each other. So it's kind of like a Marvel Cinematic Universe where if you oh, read nice. all of the potions short stories, you'll see some various characters appear in, in some that are in other stories. Um, like there's this magical school that I profiled in the book where you can go to learn about potions, which I think will tie nicely into Strixhaven when that comes out, but um, where you can go to learn potions and they have like uh, this this faction that stays there and is focused on acquiring new magic and very focused on getting new potions. Um, and so they one of the vendors is sent out from there. She has a potion wagon that she travels around and sells potions. But her secret mission is to acquire new magic and potions and things like that. But um, so and and that school that they're from um, is 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 mentioned in a number of the stories and so are some of the characters. So it's I don't know. I think you could have fun just even reading through the stories, although they don't they don't take up the majority of the pages. It's over 100 pages. You, it's print on wow. demand. So you can have a print on demand book. When I say short stories, they are just a part of the profile, the, the rest of the profile, the effect the um you know the the warnings there's warnings for each potion the taste the smell <laughs> that's the bulk of it and then the short story is a part of it it's probably like a third of each potion well and like you said you're giving if if these recipes that i'm looking for gave the recipe first and then yeah. the history i may be more apt to read the history <laughs> yeah. yeah but when i see the history first i i scowl and then i yeah. say I unlock yeah. my scroll wheel yeah. on my mouse yeah. and i just yeah. fling it to yeah. the bottom <laughs> exactly exactly they're they're toward the end uh it goes yeah the last thing is the is the recipe then then right before that is the story yeah so your potions unlocked is over a hundred pages, which I think is yes. super awesome. And you've mentioned uh, two things. Maybe they're the same thing. So Strixhaven and a book on the Feywild, are those the same thing or are those different works? So um, I haven't, I have ideas for how to connect to Strixhaven, but nothing's been formalized yet. And I, part of that, the reason for that is I want to make sure that the Feywild book um, is done and is of, up to my standards before I commit to doing a Strixhaven tied book but i have two in mind for that um but yeah so the feywild book is, is designed to tie in with the feywild book coming out from wizards on september 21st so our book will come out around then as well um either the day before or the day of if, if things go as planned and then october is when they're releasing a strixhaven book um, which will be more about strixhaven um you know in the magic the gathering universe so i have a couple ideas of either a direct tie-in on dm's guild or more of a thematic tie-in for drive-through rpg but as i said i'm committed you know um i this is the first time i'm actually with the feywild book i've actually hired writers as well as artists this time and so um i'm I've got 14 writers I hired um, in addition wow. to writing that I'm doing and then a bunch of artists too. So it's a big project and, and I'm just, you know, I, 
failure is not an option for me. So I'll be finishing right. that one. And if, if time permits, if I end up ahead of schedule, then I'm going to start working on these Strixhaven books. But the good news is, is that even if I don't do a Strixhaven book that ties in with it when it comes out, these ideas will live on because one of them is so exciting to me. I wish I could talk about it right now, but I don't want to spoil it. But I feel that. I definitely am not working on any secret projects in the background at all. (laughs) (laughs) But if you, if you get potions unlocked and you, and you read the the school uh, that's in there, you'll see it's, it's going to be kind of of that nature where, you know, involving schools and magic and things like that. But um, I'll make sure to get you a copy too, because I I tried to get it to you, but I don't think it got to you. Yeah. I'm not sure if I've got so many emails. (laughs) It may, there may be something in there. I tried to look before we, uh, we brought up here. I did, I did read through the, the guide to lineages when it, first came through because i was not quite as inundated at that time um but uh yeah i would i would absolutely love like i mean i'll go buy a copy too like don't worry about that like it it looks awesome the physical one looks so awesome i i almost cried when i got it because that's the first time i've you know published something for DD and print and just flipping through the pages after spending months you know doing the layout and everything it is an emotional experience to just see it like physically represented in your hands so if you're out there being a creator i definitely encourage you to try to get something through print on demand on drive through or somewhere because it just it's just a undescribable experience to to hold that in your hands yeah i did a uh I was a kind of did a lot of like board and card game design for a long time on like oh, awesome. note cards and, you know, tag board and poster board and whatever I could kind of scrounge together and eventually had one that I, I spent enough time doing art and layout for a card game and got it printed. And I, I got like three copies printed, right? It was it wasn't super cheap, but it wasn't prohibitively expensive yeah. either. I mean, it was about what you would spend on. A, a, a good size board game and uh and yeah getting them in yeah i agree on the like you open the box and just tears yeah just like because it's it now because ex- like it's not to say that it doesn't exist when it's digital but when you can hold it and open it up and peel off the cellophane and crack it open and feel the cards feel the spine breaking in for the first time on a book or you know feel the thickness of the paper and the weight of the pages and you know the the smell of the paper or the cards or whatever it it's just it hits you yeah i mean the art the art in that book is so stunning and and the the vtt maps i included those in the print version as well at the end and just seeing it is just it's like wow it just i don't know it took my breath away so on um the topic of smells and tastes of potions. It, we would be remiss on Dungeons and Dares if we didn't hit a few food topics. So, sure. what do you feel like your connection to cooking is? Are you uh, a cook, or are you uh, more of a kind of a snacker? Do you leave that to others? What's your history with cooking? So, I'm the reason they invented air fryers. Because... <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you because yeah. I love mine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can make grilled cheese, I can make omelets, I can make sandwiches, I can make, you know, basic stuff, but cooking is just not, I don't know, I'm just a klutz. I, and it's hard for my mind to sort of store that information for a long time, you know, like a recipe or whatever. I'd have to always have it written down and just there's just sort of this barrier to me when it comes to doing things like that I, i'm more of a 
introvert, internal, you know, imaginative person. And so this stuff, it's just really this physical engagement is, is hard for me, but, but I, I love it. I mean, I'm definitely a fan of food. I'll eat food. I happen to be a vegetarian. So that's a little bit of a limitation of what I'll eat, but um, yeah, I love sweets. I love, you know, cooking what I can in the air fryer. And then of course, eating whatever my loved ones, you know, put in front of me as long as it's vegetarian. <laughs> right. So do you have, um, as far as vegetarianism goes, there's uh, so many different ways yes. that you can go about it. And I, I always love hearing, like hearing somebody's favorite food is, is one thing, but I think really, you know, grasping and understanding somebody's favorite, like vegetarian or pescatarian dishes, um, are, I don't know, there's, there's, seems to be another level of that kind of like niche variety in the same way that there is in the kind of creative space for RPGs that I think that putting a constraint on a recipe can sometimes open it up to even more variety than saying you can make whatever you want. So is there kind of a go-to vegetarian dish that you would recommend that other people try? Yeah. I mean, you know, eggplant is a really wonderful, uh, thing you can you can make eggplant parmesan with it you can you can make just you know grilled eggplant um you know a lot of people don't think of it it looks really weird it's hard to cut up (laughs) but i think it just has a lot of flexibility it even kind of texture wise depending on how you prepare it it can taste like meat and of course tofu you know i love tofu um you know whether it's fried and mixed in with uh, you know some noodles or it's um you know just soft on on a sandwich or something i mean there's the thing about tofu is it's a sponge that will take up the flavor of whatever else you're cooking. So yep. if you've got something super flavorful, um, you can get it right into that to that tofu sponge. And then when you eat it, you, you get all of that. And it doesn't taste weird. It looks weird, but mm-hmm. it doesn't taste weird. Like it, it tastes pretty good and natural, especially fried tofu if, if you haven't. Uh, tried that. I mean, I try as best I can from a nutrient point of view to always have something raw with my meals. So I'll have like maybe something that's processed or prepared alongside some raw salad or, or, you know, nuts or something that's raw because I want to make sure that at each of my meal times, I'm, I'm absorbing some nutrients and a lot of food that's frozen or, you know, pr- heavily processed, it loses its nutrients along the way. And so um, I'm, I'm always trying to make sure I'm at least getting some nutrients. Now that doesn't always work, you know, if I order a pizza or I go through a drive through, but you know, I try to make sure the vast majority of my meals have a little bit of something raw, even if it's just an apple that I've sliced and I'm having with, with the rest of the meal, because the, don't get me wrong, that other stuff tastes really, really good. I just, I, I like to be healthy and make sure I'm getting the nutrients at the same time. No, that's a, I mean, that is a really good point. I think it's something that I've been working on. I'm not great at yet, but I've been incorporating more, uh, you know, variety in raw foods or really, I think for me, the bigger thing is like cutting down on carbs. I don't know if I can yeah. cut out carbs, no, no. Yeah. but, but cutting back on them some, um, getting to that age where I can feel, uh, the weight of carbs a little bit more readily, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, adding, adding some more, um, you know, raw foods or bringing in that raw variety, I think is really important. I have started exploring, like I don't do, I didn't do cream dressings for salads to begin with really, mm-hmm. but starting to explore more nuts in salads yeah. and the, the flavors that they can bring is uh, something that I think is really maybe a little underexplored in like fruits, uh, like dried fruits yes. and nuts. And yes. you can, you can even reduce some of the, 
leafiness of a salad and do like a simple spinach or an arugula, but then really bolster it through having a nut and, and fruit profile like dried mangoes or, you know, pecans or something a little bit different to throw in there that can really change how it tastes. 100%. And, and, and it's, there's a lot of varieties of nuts. So you can, those mm-hmm. flavor profiles, as you said, can change just based on the nut that you choose. And what I find is great about what you're talking about is, is the texture and just, you know, sometimes you're eating a salad and it feels like you're not really eating much solid food, you know, it's right. solid, but it's so kind of flimsy, right? And so mm-hmm. you add this sort of hard nut that gives it a clunch, you know, almost like a, it's like a crouton. And it just, it makes you feel like you're putting something more substantial into your body as opposed to just flimsy leaves. Yep. Yeah, you're reading my mind with substantial now. So. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, so I know that you are still in the works on it, so you can't talk too terribly much on it. Um, but it definitely sounds like the Feywild book is it's the fact that you're bringing in, uh, f- you think you said 14 writers. Yes. Um, so this sounds like it's going to be a pretty substantial endeavor. Yes. And um, so far, all we have is it's going to be about and or in the Feywild. So is there anything that you can kind of hint us at to give us a little bit of notion about what this might uh, be as it, yeah. as it comes to fruition? Yeah. Totally. So this book is going to be massive. It's It's got stuff for players, for DMs. So we've got subclasses, a subclass, a minimum of one for every single class of, of you know, oh, wow. standard classes. We've got backgrounds. We've got uh, monsters, adventures, encounters, uh, optional rules, items, spells, you name it. It's in this book. I, I want it to feel like Wizards just dropped an extra, you know, an extra Tasha's cauldron of everything or something because it's got so much content um it'll be on dm's guild and uh i'm just blown away by some of these writers i mean just just blown away one of the monsters is is such a unique monster i've never seen anything like it um one of the one of the adventures has such an emotional core to it um you know as we talked about earlier i really like to have the emotion in it and just just even even some of the smaller things that people are contributing every single one of them is is awesome and and the collaboration i mean we have a discord server we're using and um you know it's very clear in the contract that you know we're not paying for people's time we're paying for their word count but if they want to participate they can because it's a learning opportunity to see how a book comes together and i'm really astonished by how many of them have chosen to voluntarily review like a chapter and just kind of give their two cents. And, you know, I wrote a couple backgrounds and, you know, I shared those with the team and they had some amazing feedback and I'm just so excited. One of the comments was, you know, this, this feels so personal, this background, like you could really sink your teeth into it and have fun. And I just, that's what I want. I want people to be like, this is comparable to wizards or it's, or it's giving me something that wizards isn't because, um, you know, to me, then I've done my job. I've done what I set out to do is, is give you guys more because, because everybody would love wizards to put out more stuff. Right. And so, uh, you know, if I can get close to their quality, you know, as possible, um, then maybe it's another option for you. No, that's, that's incredible. And I think that, uh, involving the community is always like, that's always such a unique experience that kind of the internet age allows us to have. And I think that being able just being able to watch from the background, there's things that I don't necessarily have input on that I feel like is is worthy, but I love watching something to come together and and understanding 
not just all of the good things that happen, but seeing the pitfalls and how are they worked around and really understanding how something gets made. Um, but then there's other times where, yeah, I, I love being able to give my feedback and it, it, whether it's taken directly or it gets transmuted multiple times through a dozen other people, I still feel like I contributed something to that final product that I feel like I had a little piece of, you know? Totally. And, and my whole thing is like, you know, whether it's money I make from the books or money from my YouTube channel, all of that is going to be funded into, you know, more books, which means I can hire more people. So I'm so excited to see people volunteering to give feedback to ultimately make it a better product, which will then lead to money that I can use to hire maybe them again or somebody else who, who needs an opportunity. And I just love that. I just love it. And uh, on on the topic of YouTube, we haven't spoken of your YouTube yeah. channel yet. You've <laughs> uh, got uh, quite a healthy number of videos. Um, so do you want to talk a little bit about uh, Hex and what else is on your uh, your YouTube channel? Yeah, so it started as, um, and this was before I, I decided to get back into Dungeons & Dragons. I was playing this game that I like called Hex Shards of Fate, which was nearly identical to Wizards uh, Magic of the Gathering. Uh, Magic together, not Magic of together. <laughs> um, and uh, that's one of the reasons we think it got shut down. We're not sure, but it got shut down at the end of 2020. And so I had been recording, building up a following on that. And so I just recorded as many games as I could um, prior to its shutdown. And I've got them scheduled to release every day all the way through October of this year. Um, it'll be over 400 and some matches. And it's been wow. exciting because a lot of the people... You know, that game was around for four years and a lot of people are sad that it's gone. And I, they've messaged me and said, you know, thank you for doing this and not releasing them all as soon as it shut down, you know, releasing them one per day because it gives me something new for hacks to look forward to. And, you know, you can kind of play along by, you know, watching and saying, what card would I pick? And, you know, what would I do in this in this format? And, you know, at the end of the day, there's going to be so many videos that you could watch one every day for over a year and still not see the same one. So that's what's going on with the hex and then i tried you know some other games you know i played a little bit of magic on the channel dead by daylight some of these other games but um, then i started getting into DD and writing on that and i was just so just taken aback by the level of talent out there and these other creators and i thought what can i do that marries my love of you know making this this youtube channel and also um maybe engages this community. And so I came up with um, this weekly new release series that I do. So every week I do a, a video where I go and I look at 20 new releases from the past week on Drive-Thru RPG and 20 on DMs Guild, all related to Dungeons and Dragons, whether it's OSR or Pathfinder or you know 5e. And I just kind of go through each one, give you my impressions, talk about ways you might use the books, show you the art. So you can kick back on your couch and kind of watch watch the video instead of having to click through all of it yourself and and let's be honest i mean these books come out and they're on the front page for maybe a day and then they're gone and and unless you know the keyword or you want to scroll through pages and pages you may never see these books again so i thought for posterity having these come out consistently every week eventually you could go back and watch three or four Benjamin, you know and find some titles and um you know i include all the links to the the books so if you want to click them and buy them from from the video description you can or just you know search for them whatever you want to do but it just highlights a lot of creators and it's been so fun a lot of them have been excited um you know to to see their 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 
book on camera and being talked about and it gives them you know something they can use on their social media so it's it's just been a great way for me to feel like i'm giving back and engaging the community and then i've also when time permits when i'm not working on my own books i'm trying to do like a profile video on a, on a particular book you know more of a deep dive and you know i i solicit those um so that the creator tells me okay these are the pages you can show or not show and then they also give me a little bit of background on things they might want me to talk about. And then I take that and I, I come up with my own stuff and kind of marry it together. So I get a few of their key points across, but also, um, you know, some, like if you watch those videos, you get like a free item out of it because it's on screen and you can use that item in your game. I mean, this is what these contributors are, are giving. Sometimes they'll give me a discount code that I can use. And I wish I had time to do more of those. I kind of have a backlog like you at this point, but, um, I will get back to that. I will be doing it in between um, books or when I have downtime on the books that I'm preparing. Uh, but I just love it. It's it's a lot of fun and and um, yeah. Now you are generating an a absolutely massive amount of content. Uh, you speak of downtime like what you <laughs> what you've talked about so far. I wonder if you sleep at this point, but <laughs> I do. I'm I'm just super efficient. I'm Type A. You know, right. I just. I just, I don't know. I'm, I maximize my time and stuff. And when it doesn't feel like work, it's really easy to just keep on going. That's very true. It, it does make it, it, it's, it's one thing to like, yeah, yeah, I played video games for four hours today. Well, if you enjoy making video games or making content, then that's still basically play. Mm -hmm. And so it makes it a lot easier to do. I, I agree to that. Yep. Well, um, there's a few things that I want to ask you. Uh, I've got yeah. a couple of maybe a little more pointed questions about the Feywild, but I think they may have to wait for the <laughs> Patreon subscriber episode. So uh, before we get to that, is there anything that you would like to uh, shout out or speak to that we didn't get to that you would like to be uh, freely available to everyone? Um, just I'm everywhere under Splinterverse, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. If you search for Splinterverse, I'm the only one out there. So um, please engage. I'd love to hear from you. Love to hear your thoughts. If you buy one of my books and play it, please tell me your stories. I'm stuck in this creator cave. I don't get to see it happen. So I love hearing those stories of like, oh, I played a key keeper and this happened and it was exciting, you know, so so hit me up. Yeah, we'll have all of the links uh, to your to your avenues in the show notes down below here. So yeah, do check him out. Do check out the books, Potions Unlocked and Van Richten's A Librum of Lineages, as well as uh, following him so that you can be the first to pick up a couple of these new books when they come out. So, uh, Jimmy, anything else before we uh, catch off today? No, that's it. All right. Well, thank you so much. And uh, we'll see you as well as the subscribers over in the Patreon episode. Sounds good. Thank you. So that's all for the episode today. Thank you so much for listening. All of the links and contact information discussed in the episode can be found in the show notes. And I'm most active on Twitter at A-N-D-D-I-N-N-E-R-S and dinners. If you're interested in supporting the show and getting access to exclusive bonus episodes, Discord content, or just want to help keep things ad-free, consider tossing a few coins over to patreon.com slash dungeonsanddinners. If you're looking for more great podcasts to listen to, check out my other broadcast, Pick Up Your Sticks. It's a long-form podcast about why video gaming matters, co-hosted by myself and dear friend Walker Near. I'm really excited to be sharing this journey with you, and remember that love is the secret ingredient. Have a good day, friend. Thanks for stopping by.